Mike Pledge with us. 301 days. You, we, the American people, you get the final say. Yeah, a tipping point election. That's an understatement. All right, so just a few moments ago, we're going to start it at its beginning. The president in the Oval Office, Prime Minister of Greece with him, uh, addressing the issues involved with the killing of Soleimani, the impeachment hoax, etc. Let's listen in. Yeah, a lot of questions are being asked in, in Washington and across America about what evidence you had that Qassam Soleimani was planning attacks against American targets. What can you tell us about what you knew prior to ordering the attack? Well, number one, I knew the past. His past was horrible. He was a terrorist. He was a, so designated by President Obama, as you know, and he wasn't even supposed to be outside of his own country. He was so right there. Uh, but that's in a way the least of it. We had an attack very recently that he was in charge of, where we had people horribly wounded, one dead. In fact, the number now, as of this morning, I believe is two dead. And uh, that was his. He was uh, traveling with the head of Hezbollah. Uh, They weren't there to discuss a vacation. They weren't there to go to a nice resort someplace in Baghdad. They were there to discuss bad business. And we saved a lot of lives by terminating his life. A lot of lives have saved. They were planning something and uh, you're going to be hearing about it or at least uh, various people in Congress are going to be hearing about it tomorrow. Our Secretary of State covered it very well a little while ago. I saw him. I saw his news conference, Mike. And uh, if you want to mention a couple of things in addition to what I've just said, but we had tremendous information. We've been following him for a long time and we followed his path for those three days. And they were not good stops. We didn't like where he was stopping. They were not good stops. We saved a lot of lives. Mike? We had deep intelligence indicating there was active plotting that put American lives at risk. And I'm confident, I think the president's confident, too, that the actions that the president took saved American lives, saved lives of Iraqi Muslims as well. It was the right thing to do, and uh, our Department of Defense did an excellent job executing the mission. And, Mr. President, and as you know, he killed at least 608 Americans, but the number is much higher than that. He's also very much roadside bombs and all of the horrible explosives that you see. He was a big believer and sent them everywhere. Uh, He was somebody that uh, we did ourselves, that we did a lot of countries a big favor. And I've been I've been hearing from countries. uh, They were extremely happy with what we did. And if you look inside Iran itself, there were plenty of those leaders that were happy because they feared him and didn't like him. In many cases, could you also clear up, Mr. President, whether Iranian cultural sites would be on any future targets? Well, as I said yesterday, it was very interesting. Uh, they're allowed to kill our people. They're allowed to maim our people. They're allowed to blow up everything that we have. And there's nothing that stops them. And we are, according to various laws, uh, supposed to uh, be very careful with their cultural heritage. And you know what? If that's what the law is, I, w- I like to obey the law. But think of it. They kill our people. They blow up our people. Then we have to be very gentle with their cultural institutions. But I'm OK with it. It's OK with me. I will say this. If Iran does anything that they shouldn't be doing, they're going to be suffering the consequences and very strongly. Well, don't forget, uh, in our case, it was retaliation because they were there first. They killed. And look, I don't have to talk about him for 18 to 20 years. He was a monster. But just 
in a very short period of time. Two people dead, people badly injured. And then before that, there were other attacks. And look at what he was planning. So that'll be discussed tomorrow morning. Right now, it's classified. And that'll be discussed tomorrow with Mike Pompeo and the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And this is the U.S. prepared for an Iranian attack? We're prepared. We're totally prepared. And likewise, we're prepared to attack if we have to as retribution. Mr. President, if, if Iran's leader said that any uh, response to the Soleimani um, killing would be, quote, proportional, uh, what would the United States do in the event of any Iranian <laughs> So, again, John, if you look at what's going on, ours was a an attack based on what they did. We weren't the first one out. He killed an American. Now two people are dead from the same attack and some people very badly wounded. And that was one of his smaller endeavors. You look over his past, his past, he's been called a monster and he was a monster and he's no longer a monster. He's dead. And that's a good thing for a lot of countries. And he was planning a very big attack and a very bad attack for us and other people. And we stopped him. And I don't think anybody can complain about it. I don't hear too many people other than politicians who are trying to win the presidency. Those are the ones that are complaining. But I don't hear anybody else complaining. Mr. President, Mr. President, you called him a monster, but your friend Erdogan called him a monster. Well, that's everybody to each his own. I mean, I disagree 100 percent. And I'm sure he does, too. But he has a public to take care of. And I guess that's for his own reason. But I'm actually surprised to hear that. But that's OK. Are you willing to make a deal with F-35? Say it. Are you, are, you, are you willing to make a deal with Greece regarding F-35? So uh, Greece and I and my people and we have a whole group of people. And as you see, they brought a lot of great representatives from Greece that we've been dealing with. Uh, we have a tremendous Greek population, over three million people, as I understand it. That's fantastic. I think I know. I really feel I know most of them. I think I know all of them, come to think of it. But it's a great population in the United States. We're going to be meeting. We're going to be talking. We're going to be negotiating and we're going to be making a lot of deals. Let me we, have a, we have a really yeah. great relationship. Yeah. With let, let me add something to that. Uh, Greece is interested, Mr. President, in participating in the F-35 uh, program. As you know, we are already upgrading our F-16s. Yeah. And that program will be completed in 2023, 2024. So we're very much interested in participating in the F-35 program after that. Uh, and I'm sure that the U.S. will take into consideration the fact that this country is coming out of an economic uh, crisis in terms of structuring the program uh, in the best possible way for my country. That's true. And, you know, they just signed a very big renovation of existing aircraft. They have great aircraft, but it's gotten a little bit tired and uh, they've done a renovation that's going to bring it up to brand new. And uh, we look forward to doing that. A uh, couple of our great companies are doing it. Well, it's something that I want to. I mean, eventually they have to be able to defend themselves and take care of themselves. And it's something ultimately that I want to see. We don't want to be there forever. We want to be able to get out. I didn't want to be there in the first place, to be honest. And everybody knows that uh, that was when I was a civilian. I said it. But we were there and they made a decision and uh, I disagreed with that decision very strongly. 
Uh, but we're there now. We've done a great job. We've gotten rid of the caliphate. 100 percent of the caliphate is gone. And which is ISIS. Uh, we have uh, thousands of ISIS prisoners that we're keeping right now under lock and key. And we want Europe to take many of these prisoners because they came from Germany, France, and other places. Probably a few from Greece, in all fairness. We'll, well have to none, talk to you none, about that. None from Greece Good. so far. You're lucky. Yeah, yeah. You're lucky. Mm-hmm. But we have, a lot of, uh, we have a lot of people right now in prison, ISIS fighters that are tough fighters, and they are where they should be. So I think we've done a fantastic job, but eventually we want to be able to let Iraq run its own affairs. And that's very important. So at some point we want to get out. But this is in the right point. The other thing is, if we do get out, you know, we've spent a tremendous amount of money uh, on building airports and building. uh, It's one of the largest embassies we have in the world, Mike. And uh, we want to be reimbursed for the various costs that we have had. And they're very significant. But we'll work something out. And I talk uh, sanctions, but I'm only talking sanctions if we're not treated with respect. We have to be treated with respect. We deserve. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you with what we did with what. Excuse me. Wait, wait, wait. One second. With what we did with ISIS. And this was done during my administration because it was a mess before we got here. With what we did with ISIS, we've done the Middle East and we've done a lot of other countries a tremendous favor. Yeah, go ahead. Do you agree with the Turkish provocations in Libya, in Eastern Mediterranean, against, against Greece? And are you willing to talk to your friend Erdogan? We are talking to him and we're talking to, yeah, we're talking to, when you're talking about Libya, we're discussing with... President Erdogan, we're discussing with many other countries. I just spoke with the Chancellor of Germany, with Angela, and uh, we talked about that subject specifically, Libya, what's going on. Uh, We'll be talking to Russia. They're involved. A lot of countries are involved with respect to Libya. And uh, it's right now a mess. But there are a lot of countries, and they all want to know where we stand, and they do know, know where we stand. We have a very distinctive stand, and we have meetings set up and we're going to see if we can work out some kind of a plan for peace. I think it's important. Just one moment, Mr. President, can I just make one point? One point, one, Mr. Engel, one point on this issue. Uh, I think it, it is important to, to point out that uh, the agreement signed between Turkey uh, and Libya infringe upon Greece's uh, sovereign rights uh, and essentially cause uh, great uh, concern and instability uh, in a region which uh, is already highly problematic. So we'd be very much looking uh, to your support to make sure that these types of provocative agreements uh, are not being put into place. And I think we should refrain in general in the Eastern Mediterranean for any sort of activity that inflames passions and that doesn't you know, promote uh, regional peace and security. So we'll be very much looking forward um, uh, to your uh, to your support on this issue because it is a very important issue for my country. Mr. President, the, the Iraqi government says it expects U.S. forces to leave the country after the letter that it received, General Mark Milley said, by mistake yesterday. What do you say to the Iraqi government about the possibility of U.S. forces leaving based on that letter? Well, I don't know anything about that letter. The letter was sent, and I understand it was an unsigned letter. Uh, so I could maybe let Mike speak to it. I don't know if that letter was a hoax or was that it unsigned or what? But the Iraqi government is saying they're taking you at the word. They expect U.S. forces to leave. 
Yeah. Well, I think it's the worst thing that could happen to Iraq. If we leave, that would mean that uh, Iran would have a much bigger foothold, and the people of Iraq do not want to see Iran running the company, that the country. That I can tell you. So uh, we'll see how it all works out. Uh, I know it's going to work out well for us because uh, at some point we want to be able to get out. We want to bring our soldiers back home. I will say that we have had tremendous support from the people of Iraq appreciating what we've done, and they don't want to see Iran go into Iraq. But their neighbors, and over a period of years, something will happen. We'll see what that is. Uh, but the uh, what was said yesterday, I didn't know about. I really don't know about it. What is that, Mike? What exactly was that? I just, I just know that there was a, a draft letter that was sent a draft the, unsigned, unsigned letter, and the that, media knew that was. Yeah, the Iraqi people understand that we're there to help them stand up their sovereignty. The Iraqi people were not happy when the suggestion was made yesterday that we were thinking about leaving at some point. They were not happy, but at some point we will want to leave. Quick different topic. Steve, go ahead. Steve. Are you ready for the Senate trial? Yeah, whatever it is, uh, it's a hoax. The impeachment is a big hoax. It's a, it's become a laughing stock all over the world. Uh, there was nothing done wrong. The two articles that were sent are, uh, not even serious. And by the way, they're not a crime. Uh, the uh, Republicans voted approximately 196 to nothing. Uh, this was not supposed to be partisan. It was never meant that way by, as they would say, the founders. Uh, so uh, it was a, it's turned out to be a totally partisan hoax, witch hunt. Uh, and frankly, it's been going on from before I came down the escalator with our great first lady. I mean, it, it's, this has gone on for three years, and probably longer than that. And it'll be very interesting when the final tabulation is set and when the facts are released, because a lot of people are working on those facts right now. It's a big deal. Uh, it's, uh, in many ways, the greatest hoax ever perpetrated on our country. It's one of the great hoaxes ever. It started with, a, with an illegal document that turned out to be false. The fake document that you know so well, the dossier, as they call it. And uh, it went on from there. It was set up by a bunch of dirty cops and others working with. All right. There is the president with the prime minister of Greece uh, inside the Oval Office. Uh, it's ending there in a second. We're on a little bit of a, a time crunch here. Uh, you know what? Nobody speaks better for the president than the president himself. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll react to that. We got a lot of news to get to. On both the big issues of the day, the death and reaction of predictable reaction of the mob and Democrats over Soleimani, uh, the impeachment disaster unfolding for Pelosi and much more. Glad you're with us. Three hundred and one days to go. Best election coverage available on your radio dial. That is our promise pledge and our solemn vow. Speak for the president as well as he can speak for himself. Anyway, glad you're with us. I know different opening monologue. Um, it is so it is. He's so dead on accurate. And, you know, it's just different. It's I wouldn't want to be the spokesperson for Donald Trump because you can't. And that job of press secretary is just a different position. Hey, we love Karen at Lone Star Transfer. She's a rock star. Love her. She's in our prayers. We, we care a lot about her. 
Uh, this fam- this family, this business, Lone Star Transfer, it's one of the best companies. They help people get themselves out of these timeshares that you never use. You're paying a fortune for. They do it legally, quickly, expeditiously. They do it the right way. And by the way, don't be fooled by imitators. There's only one company I support. That's LoneStarTransfer.com. It's that simple. We got this note from a listener. I'd like to thank Melanie and the Lone Star team for helping us out with this mess. Sometimes it seemed like we'd never get out of it, but we did with your help. Thank you very much. I'm glad I'm listening to Sean Hannity because uh, that's where I heard about Lone Star Transfer. I fully endorse Lone Star Transfer. Great Americans who get the job done. Now, you could just pull out your cell phone if you got one of these stupid timeshares and you're paying all this money and you want out legally and quickly. Just dial pound 250 on your mobile keyword timeshare. Pound 250 on your mobile keyword timeshare and on the web. It's LoneStarTransfer.com. All right. Now, obviously, we went along with the president. Bottom of the hour news. We'll come back on the other side of it. Uh, A delayed opening monologue today. We've got all of that coming up and much more. We'll talk about Pelosi. Now it's becoming a shift show for her and every other Democrat. And the left and their reaction to Soleimani, they have lost their minds collectively. 301 days to go to Election Day. All right, 25 till the top of the hour. Uh, worthwhile with the president. We'll have more coverage on that tonight uh, on Hannity. Uh, we've got Greg Jarrett. We have Doug Schoen. We're going to look at the legality of the killing. I'm sorry, David Schoen. Doug Schoen is the other Schoen. Both friends of mine. David Schoen's the attorney. Uh, the legality of the actions we took in against Soleimani. You know, one thing I, I do want to be very clear about here, in a pretty strong message to Iran, just to bring you up to speed, we now have deployed six nuclear-capable B-52 bombers. They're right there in the Middle East, sent by our Pentagon, heavy bombers, to a British base in the Indian Ocean. And these are nuclear-capable bo- bombers at Diego Garcia, within striking distance of the Persian Gulf, uh, but perhaps maybe out of range of Iranian missiles, but we're not so sure. But obviously the president, as he said in his press conference in the Oval Office with the Prime Minister of Greece, yeah, we're prepared for everything. Now, uh, what's really frustrating to me, and this has developed, this, this idea that there's only two options here. If you take out Soleimani, which everybody admits I mean, for David Petraeus to say what he said, that this was bigger than bin Laden and al-Baghdadi is a big deal. Now, if you follow the events in the Middle East and you understand the could forces of Iran, their elite fighting forces, and you understand that this guy goes back to the foundation of the forming of Hezbollah and the party of God, the terrorist organization responsible for the deaths of thousands and thousands of people. And, you know, none of this should be really hard to understand. It's, it's not that difficult uh, to know that this is a huge, huge step forward to making the world a safer place with all the evil that we know exists in it. We are talking about the number one state sponsors of terrorism around the globe. Yeah, and they had $150 billion in Obama-Biden dollars to use to advance their sick, twisted, ugly uh, ideology and, and, and regime uh, goals and the de- desire for hegemony in the Middle East. We know all the proxy wars they fight. We know the funding of terrorism that's killing so many people. We know they killed all these Americans in Iraq. We know that they've been trying to disrupt the lifeblood 
of the world's energy supply, oil, by taking tankers hostage in the narrow Straits of Hormuz, hitting the Saudis unprovoked uh, and thinking they can get away with it. Never mind shooting out of the air American drones. But once Americans were killed, as we know, happened on the 27th of December and other military injured, that was the line in the sand the president drew. He, 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 look, he could, frankly, he's shown more restraint than I think I might have shown if I was ever in that position. You shoot out an American drone, you better expect this is going to be the consequence of that. And we now have the defense secretaries come out today confirming it was days away from an attack. Our intelligence saying that we were days away from a major attack. And obviously it was going to be led by Soleimani. Remember, he's the head of the Quds forces of Iran. He was in Baghdad airport. By the way, interestingly, I'm told he always flew commercial. Now, you might think it's dumb, but it's not that dumb because he probably knows that even though we knew he's on the plane, that we're less likely to take the plane out of the sky because America actually puts value on human life. Just like we see all the time, you know, these rockets being fired into Israel from Gaza. Where do they fire them from? Hospitals and schools. Why do they do that? Because it makes it that much more difficult for the Israelis that care about human life to fight back. So they use them as shields, part of their tactics. But, you know, the, the idea that you only have two options here. Well, you either do nothing because otherwise you're going to really tick them off and they might retaliate. Well, they've been at war with us since 1979. That argument is ridiculous. They've been at war with us. 9-11 Commission Report. They were at war with us. We weren't at war with them. Now, war defined does not necessarily mean boots on the ground in Iran. As a matter of fact, I'm dead set against that. And nor do I think it's even necessary at any point here. Let's assume they're stupid enough to retaliate. Okay, well, what have I been advocating after, of course, the politicizing of wars in Vietnam and Iraq and Afghanistan? We start wars. We send our national treasure to go fight them, risk their lives, die in these wars, lose their limbs in these wars, come back disfigured from these wars. And then Washington says, never mind. That's why I said, we can't do this anymore to our fighting force, the greatest fighting force on the face of the earth. You know, and, and those that are saying, well, Hannity, you've been critical. You've been critical of our intelligence community for three years. Linda, how many times have I made the distinction between the 99% of the world's greatest intelligence community and the 1%? I've gone out of my way. I've bent over backwards to make sure that people understand I appreciate the good work of our intelligence services. And you brought your family on the air. And I brought my family on the air. Same we're with the members FBI. of the FBI. That's correct. The two deity. I was not deity. My the deity with the two FBI guys. All my families in law enforcement. Got it out of my way. And then, well, you now you're going to believe. Yes, our intelligence. They they followed this guy, tracked him, and they had him right in their sights, and they took the shot. And the world's better off. But does that mean? Well, now it's boots on the ground. Another another prolonged protracted conflict the president said today he's not going to do that now the options available and what i have been saying for a long time the next generation of weaponry both offensive and defensive i like the idea and it happened in this that's how we beat the caliphate back in syria 
Uh, and we did it by pushing buttons with unmanned drones and other means. And we pushed, we, we literally wiped out the caliphate. Well, that could have happened under Obama. Now, Obama uh, had these rules of engagement that put innocent people in jail that we've talked at like Clint Lawrence, for example. And I love it. You know, well, you can't fire until fire to pump. You got two seconds to make up your mind if it's the right moment to fire. That's not a good option for military people. Unfortunately, when you start wars and kill people, that's why, you know, the outrage. Well, the president said he might take out some of the cultural sites. Now, the president addressed that in his press conference today. He goes, you know, it's interesting. They kill Americans and we're like bent out of shape over cultural sites, apparently illegal. So, no, I like to obey the law. We'll do it the right way. But when you really think deeply about it, uh, I'm more concerned about American lives here. And it's like, wow, your priorities are screwed up. Some of these people. And, you know, if can we fight every war? No. But if you shoot out our drones, if you take hostage the world's uh, oil supply and try to influence the supply of the world's oil, the lifeblood of every economy, and and you try to take hostage these tankers in the Straits of Hormuz and you hit the Saudis for no reason. I hate the Saudis myself. I've been the most outspoken against Saudi Arabia and Sharia law. Anybody I know on radio or TV, you don't get to kill Americans in Iraq and not expect to get hit back. Remember, those people inside that Baghdad embassy, they were our fellow Americans. Their lives were in peril. Their lives were in jeopardy. The president said, Benghazi, not happening on my watch. Well, what the, what the hell do you think that, that Soleimani with the leader of Hezbollah was doing? You think he was there to pick out a timeshare? I don't think so. So the idea that we're going to allow them to kill Americans abroad and American interests abroad, that's not an acceptable option for me. Now they know there's a new sheriff in town and you're saying, well, what if they retaliate? Well, my answer is, well, they've got three huge refineries in Iran and I'm betting I don't know for sure, but I'm betting that our military has the capability of wiping those suckers out in 10 seconds flat. They know what they're doing. We have the best of the best, and we got to continue to develop that next generation of weaponry so that we can't let Washington swamp creatures send our kids to war, put them on the battlefield and then say, never mind, or put handcuffs on them like Obama and Biden did. Or say, uh, oh, let's bribe the dictators. Let's bribe the mullahs of Iran. Uh, how much goodwill did that buy us? Because that idiotic deal literally only was lasting 10 years. Never had any place, any time inspections. No American ex- uh, uh, inspectors at all. It's expiring now anyway. So it's meaningless because they never stopped the nuclear program to begin with. The naivete of those appeasers. Now, I would think the nuclear sites would probably be a target that the president would be looking at. I'm guessing. I have no knowledge of what the president's going to do. In spite of fake news, CNN claiming all the time uh, that uh, uh, I have, you know, we actually do work in real news here. We, we proved in the last three years we were right. They were wrong. They lied. They spewed lies. They advanced conspiracy theories. They they went with the biggest hoax ever. There's, you know, they have to ignore quid pro quo Joe. 
and zero experience Hunter and say the president's call with Ukraine that never mentioned money, the five meetings after that never discussed money or aid in any way, shape, manner or form. But that's what they're sticking to. Impeach a president then say if the president does what every other president has done and invoke executive privilege so he can get real advice from real top advisors. Somehow we're going to impeach him for that. This is sick. You know, there's there's articles out. One is on stripes.com, a military website. They go into great detail about the brutality of Soleimani and his Quds forces and how U.S. soldiers they describe one particular incident with this guy, Brian Castor. Kastner is his name. He combs over an armored vehicle, mostly intact, uh, aside from entry and exit holes, tipped with, you know, molten copper that had since cooled. And I'm reading directly from the piece. The U.S. soldiers who had been inside had already been uh, medevaced near Kirkuk in the summer of 2006, leaving the Air Force bomb technician alone with the vehicle. Pools of blood simmered under the Iraqi sun near the one soldier uh, near Listen to this near what 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 one soldier left behind. Listen to this. There was still one foot left in the Humvee, Kastner said. Again, the stripes.com. The targeted U.S. killing of Soleimani, the head of the Iranian elite Quds force, has heightened tensions with the U.S. and Iran. But it also resurfaced Soleimani's legacy in Iraq, where sophisticated weapons and tactics that he oversaw menaced U.S. troops, it would be our fellow citizens, our our family, where U.S. troops uh, leaving a trail of dead and wounded U.S. service members. The vehicle the caster inspected was eviscerated by an explosively formed EFP, an explosively formed penetrator. It's a weapon of Iranian engineering salted across the battlefields, whatever. Iran-backed Shiite militias and fighters had gathered, such as Kirkuk and other cities in Baghdad. The weapons, compact but potent, are deployed against armored vehicles in a similar way to traditional IEDs, but the Iranian ones are much deadlier and more effective, Kastner said. Shaped like a coffee can, but a little bit smaller, slightly concave, and the device is packed with plastic explosives that turn a copper plate into a molten slugs that barrel through several inches of armor, sending molten shred- shreds tumbling through the bodies and vehicle parts. It really bad, he said. And by far the most dreaded explosive device type he encountered because of their deadly efficiency. These EFPs killed hundreds of Americans. Well, that would be Soleimani's CUD force because they provided, the article goes on, the training and logistics to militants in Iraq along with the far-reaching EFP supply routes and factories inside the country. Now you're going to tell me that this guy deserved a pass? Because he did that to our American soldiers. And what did Obama Biden? They gave him $150 billion. Well, I'm sorry, I don't buy into the mindset the thinking, the logic, the mentality here. And I'm saying no ground war, no troops, no boots on the ground, no more banging on doors. The Iranians, if if they decide retribution is their path of choice, then the president has better options based on new, advanced military weaponry and technology. We ought to use it 
and we can take down their economy probably with three powerful strikes just of their three big refineries. I prefer that method. I prefer we never have to send kids ever. The Iranian people, they want regime change. That's going to be up to them. They want to go fight. They can go fight. We can find the resistance, maybe get them some weaponry so they can win. But short of that, we're just saying you don't get to shoot our drones out. You don't get to disrupt the world's oil supply. You don't get to take tankers hostage. You don't get to kill Americans. You don't orchestrate attacks on our embassy. You don't get to fund terrorism worldwide and fight proxy wars and take over the entire region and not expect us to hit back. Those days are over. The days of bribing mullahs are over. The Benghazi Democrats days of doing nothing is over. This isn't that complicated. And no, I don't support a ground war. What has happened here, I think, uh, is frankly that we lost the element of deterrence, uh, the component of deterrence that was seen as American will. So ultimately, the, the president appears to have decided that it was necessary to take an action to shore up deterrence mm-hmm. to show that we were not going to accept this. I think the administration understands that uh, there's a serious risk of consequences here. Um, I think they understand that it's unlikely that the Iranian regime is going to now come hand in hand to the negotiating table. But the president showed restraint and he put a red line out there, Sandra. He said, look at If you kill Americans, then I'm going to respond. And when that took place, this president responded. And David Petraeus, by the way, those were the generals uh, speaking out. Jack Keane, Wesley Clark, even not a big fan of mine over the years, uh, saying what we've all known, what we've all said. We've gone over now the evil of who Soleimani was. You know, the idea that we're just we're we're just going to let this guy shoot drones out of the air take tankers hostage in the Straits of Hormuz, uh, upset and disrupt the world's oil supply so they can benefit, hit the Saudis' oil fields so they get a higher profit for themselves, killing Americans in Iraq uh, with such evil brutality as, as I've been describing, orchestrating the attacks on our embassy, funding terrorism worldwide, and fighting proxy wars all across the globe, and, oh, we're not going to hit them because he might get mad. Uh, yeah. Uh, Well, we ought to be mad. We have a right to defend our American citizens abroad and our interest abroad. That is uh, something the world needs to understand. That's the way it works. Now, the Democrats politically, they're just acting as dumb as they always do. And now well, the president didn't have the legal action to to do this. Uh, That's not true either. Uh, They said nothing, not a word, when Obama dropped uh, bombs in Syria and and elsewhere 2,800 times. It's just, you know, more phony, feigned, selective, moral outrage. uh, And the American people have had it. And in many ways, they again continue to make the case why Donald Trump should be reelected in 301 days. Anyway, joining us now, Greg Jarrett, author of the bestseller Witch Hunt, uh, New York Times bestseller, David Schoen, civil liberties attorney, former board member with the Alabama Civil uh, Liberties Union. Uh, Welcome, both of you. Greg Jarrett, you wrote a great column about this. Absolutely, positively, and every other legal mind I know, Dershowitz, uh, our colleague David Schoen here, all agree with you. President had 
the constitutional authority to act, and he will have the authority to act further should he need to. It's true. Article 2 of the Constitution vests broad, substantive authority for the President of the United States as Commander-in-Chief to deploy military forces overseas to ensure U.S. national security and protect American lives. Soleimani was there in Baghdad commanding terror operations. He was poised to murder more. Uh, He had the the blood of hundreds of American soldiers on his hands. He was going to do more of it. Uh, So the president was not only authorized under Article 2, but he also has authority uh, by Congress uh, under what's known as the Authorization for Use of Military Force. It was passed by Congress, and the last three presidents before Trump used it to wage campaigns against terrorists since the 9-11 attacks. So the president was well within both his constitutional right as well as his statutory right to do this. All right, David Schoen, let's get your overall view on it from your perspective. Not only was he authorized to do it, it was strategically brilliant. And I would go so far as to say he may have had an obligation to do it. This is a man we know had multiple uh, blood, blood on his hands from multiple, multiple American victims and others. We know that his course, his agenda was his foray through international terrorism to spread Iran's brand of terrorism. We also know that we probably, the president probably would not have had to have done this but for John Kerry and President Obama and the horrible, horrible deal they entered into with Iran that in, and licensed them with... Uh, well, let, me, let me ask the legal side of that question, because the president, in an interview with Rush Limbaugh, now he'll be on TV with me tomorrow night, but he said uh, Kerry likely violated the Logan Act, and my reading of it is he's probably right. I, I think he's 100% right. You know, this has been going on for quite a while. We know that Kerry was over there meeting with them a couple of years ago um, since he was uh, Secretary of State. I think there's no question, based on all the evidence we've seen, they violated the Logan Act. Listen, look at what's happening propaganda-wise now. Zarif says he wants to take it to the American people. His argument, the argument of a terrorist regime, because he focuses on comments like those by Ilan Omar calling this a war crime and AOC and the rest of the hate squad. It's it's uh, it's absurd. I like the fact that deterrence now exists again because they seem to have been acting with impunity and no fear at all that there'd be any retribution for taking tankers hostage. I mean, we all know strategically the Straits of Hormuz. You're talking about the lifeblood of the world's economy, 30 percent of oil passing through those very narrow straits. And for them to think they're going to control that, Greg Jarrett, uh, that needed to be pushed back in a big way. Although for us, it is less strategically important than ever because this president rightly has now created a scenario where we produce more oil than any other uh, uh, country on the face of the earth for the first time. That's absolutely correct. Uh, President Trump showed remarkable restraint, as General Keenan pointed out. You played the soundbite. The president didn't retaliate with military action months ago when Iran shot down a U.S. drone or attacked oil tankers in the Gulf of Oman or fired rockets into an installation housing American military personnel. Uh, but finally, the Iranian terrorists and Soleimani in charge crossed a line 
line when they fired a rocket injuring U.S. troops and killing an American contractor. Then they laid siege to our embassy in Baghdad, threatening American lives. You know, what what people, Democrats uh, like Nancy Pelosi, who accused the president of abusing his powers, Chris Murphy, the senator in Connecticut, uh, who said it's illegal to do that. What they fail to comprehend is that Tehran will continue their reign of terror until a strong leader and nation, ours, stands up to this malignant terrorist regime. And now it's happened. Is there a way to quantify the magnitude of this? Um, look, for those of us that have that followed Middle Eastern news closely, We've known about Soleimani for a long time. We've known about the Cud forces for a long time. We know about the improvised uh, explosive devices that they were planting all over Iraq, specifically tar- targeting our troops, David Schoen. But maybe, you know, but Petraeus to point out, even after the killing of Baghdadi and bin Laden, he thinks it's bigger than both of those killings. And he would know, and he's 100% right. You, you can see from the reaction just how big it was. But these pundits who were saying, oh, well, we've created a riskier situation now, or even Rand Paul to say, this is the end of diplomacy. We had no diplomacy. The president reached out to them. They weren't interested. All they've been interested in doing is building their uh, missile arsenal. And now uh, we know their nuclear arsenal also. So this was a huge hit. And by the way, this unpredictability that many critics raise is an absolute asset. Um, they weren't expecting this. This took the Iranians by surprise. Sure, he's going to be replaced by someone else, but it's a risky world out there. The president was aware of the risks. He knew them, and he had to take decisive action, just as he did. You know, I, I look at the the mindset. It's like it's what I keep saying. I mean, I use the one analogy it would fit here. You take out one of the world's worst dictators, and you know they can't. They'll never give Donald Trump credit for anything because they just hate him. Which then brings us now to the Nancy Pelosi. Bacco, which is, oh, we have an urgency. We've got to we got to impeach him. We've got to do it quickly. We've got to do it now. We've got to get it over. He's a he's a menace. He's a threat to our 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 country. But we're not going to give it to the Senate until the Senate uh, capitulates to our demands. Uh, Greg Jarrett, I, I read a document called the United States Constitution that defines specifically what the role of the House is and what the role of the Senate is. And I don't see that the House gets a say in what the Senate does. Nowhere in the Constitution does it say the Speaker of the House gets to dictate the trial of an impeachment in the U.S. Senate. Yet Nancy Pelosi, by withholding the articles, is trying to extort Mitch McConnell and Republicans in the Senate to conduct a trial with her approval, her oversight. She has no constitutional authority for that. She well knows it. She doesn't care. Uh, And so, uh, you know, I have long argued that uh, the Senate ought to consider a motion to dismiss. And and now, of course, uh, we got the motion by Josh Hawley and Lindsey Graham will join us on Hannity tonight. He has his motion uh, that he's moving forward with. Um, Now, if my understanding is, and correct me if I'm wrong, that the Senate, if they're going to have a rules change, the parliamentarian will probably say you need 67 votes 
and they can then overrule the par- parliamentarian, change the rules with a simple majority of 51 votes. Am I mistaken? Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And, uh, you know, we're into the 20th day of withholding these articles of impeachment, which is unheard of uh, in previous past presidential impeachments. And so Hawley's uh, idea is we'll give them a 25 day limit. Uh, and if if they don't, uh, then then we move to dismiss for lack of prosecution. That's that's what happens in courtrooms across America. If a prosecutor brings a case, brings charges, but refuses to prosecute, there is a motion to dismiss for failure to prosecute, which is then granted. The same should apply here. Sounds a lot like summary judgment to me, David Schoen, which happens every day, as Greg points out. That's right. And, you know, look, these these rules have been a work in progress for many years, but Nancy Pelosi is a couple hundred years too late in her argument. Alexander Hamilton addressed the argument about whether the Senate should have the right to have conducted trial, whether it's the best place. This was all debated for a long time in the late 1780s. Uh, That's federal is 65 and 66. And uh, when the Constitution was ratified, the Senate was the spot. Now the Senate sets the rules. Nancy Pelosi's out of the picture. She can do it. This may be, you know, don't uh, you wish for something and it comes true and you're sorry after the fact. But listen, either way you want to play it here. If they want to go with a trial and that's what they have, I think this trial, I'm working on a piece now. This trial should include people who haven't even been uh, mentioned yet. This trial should include as witnesses people like the staffers for Nadler, Norm Eisen, Barry Burke, because the invest- investigating the investigation is always an issue. We have to see how did we get here? We have to look at the integrity of the investigation. Nadler should be a witness. Schiff should be a witness. If they want to really go all out, then that's the way it should be in this case. The integrity of this process has to be examined. And by the way, I would put on expert witnesses on corruption in the Ukraine because it has been a central tenet of U.S. policy and international policy emphasized by experts over and over again that funds should not be given when there's corruption or even the possibility of corruption. And that's what happened here. Funds were withheld based on the corruption. You look at any of the transcripts, that was the central guiding principle. Stay right there. More with Greg Jarrett, David Schoen, toll free. It's 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Well, full, complete coverage of uh, this breaking, all, all of these breaking stories tonight on Hannity. All right, as we continue, our uh, attorneys, Greg Jarrett and David Schoen are with us. All right, so now we've got, and this really kind of ticked me off today, and I'm thinking, really? This is how we treat a a 33-year veteran. Now, we know that, you know, the inspector general has said numerous times that James Comey lacked candor. That would be lying. We know that even in the case of uh, his number one deputy, former deputy FBI director McCabe, that he admits he lied. How come they don't get in trouble? Now they want to put a 33-year combat veteran in jail. Your reaction, David Schoen. Well, I mean, it's outrageous. Listen, I listened to the clips played with uh, regarding the uh, Comey's actions and McCabe and so on. Of course, it was intentional. Their misconduct was intentional. There's no question about it. Um, but if, and if it weren't, by the way, then why wouldn't they have corrected the misstatements and omissions to the FISA court as Rule 13 of that court requires? Correct. These were pe- people Correct. involved. That's right. People had now, an the, ongoing and, re- and David, they recommended previously no prison time. Yeah. Well, that, just, just right. probation. I mean, look, 
Yeah. What now? Now they now they're out for blood, and meanwhile, all these other people we know lied. Nothing ever happens. Yes, because this is the way the Mueller team has responded and acted throughout from the beginning of the investigation. It's a personal thing. Their agenda was personal. That's why these team members never should have been picked. That's not what the American public expects when they demand the integrity of the criminal justice system. And and of course, the things like the combat record are directly relevant to sentencing. It would be an absolute outrage, horrendous outrage, send a person like this to prison. We have 45 more seconds. We'll give it to Greg Jarrett. Here's the FBI report on the interview with Michael Flynn. Uh, the report is dated July 19, 2017. Throughout the interview, Flynn had a very sure demeanor, did not give any indicators of deception, struck and redacted FBI agent. Both had the impression at the time that Flynn was not lying or did not think he was lying. That should be enough for this case to be dismissed against a distinguished general with a 33-year record of defending this country. He did not lie, yet Mueller's unconscionable team accused him of lying and prosecuted him for lying and pressured him to plead guilty. Unbelievable developments. And uh, I've got to hope I've got to hope that that they uh, it's unbelievable to me. Anyway, yeah, they didn't even think he's lying. Uh, Greg, uh, Jared, David Schoen, thank you both. Toll free 800-941-SHAWN. You want to be a part of the program? We'll continue. I don't understand the flip flop. I, I don't understand why it was so hard to call him a terrorist. And I would just like you to explain. So uh, I, and I appreciate it. And I appreciate your kind comments. You know, all three of my brothers yes, served in the yes. military. We've talked and I about believe this you, before. No, yes, no. I believe you respect and, the military. And, and I know you do, too. Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't a change. They're true. The question is, what is the response that the president of the United States should make and what advances the interests of the United States of America? Think about Saddam Hussein. Mm. You want to talk about a bad guy, right? (laughs) However, going to war in Iraq was not in the interests of the United States. We lost thousands of American lives. It cost us here at home. It has cost us around the world. It has been a part of this cost in the Middle East that has ended up with millions of people who've lost their lives, who've been injured, uh, who've been displaced. The question for the president of the United States is to understand what's going on, have an overall strategy, and pick an appropriate response. And going back to Cody's question, at an appropriate time, he's part of a group that has but been is he designated. A terrorist? He is part of a group that's been designated. So he's not a of course he is. He's okay. part of a group that our federal government has designated as a terrorist. The question, though, is what's the right response? And the response that Donald Trump has picked is the most incendiary and has moved us right to the edge of war. And that is not in our long-term interest. I don't get it. It's so frustrating. Meghan McCain rightly pressing Elizabeth Warren as she did on The View. I guess that was from earlier today. This is not brain surgery. This is not that complicated. I I went through all of the deeds of Soleimani. The guys killed hundreds of Americans. And I I mean, with the the most gruesome tactics available in, in, in Iraq, as his cuts forces 
were specifically targeting Americans. You don't get to kill Americans and not get that kind of response. That is appropriate. That's the appropriate response. You don't shoot out American drones and expect that you're going to get away scot-free or take oil tankers hostage so that you will control and disrupt the world's supply of oil uh, and energy, the lifeblood of the world's economy. You don't get to hit the Saudi oil fields to disrupt the same. You don't get to take the oil tankers hostage. You don't get to kill Americans. You don't get to orchestrate the attacks on our embassy to kill Americans and destroy American interests worldwide. Uh, we already know that you fund terrorism and you're not the number one state sponsor of terror. We know you're fighting proxy wars across the country. We also know that Obama Biden money uh, gave you more freedom to do it. And uh, no, you can take out Soleimani and not put boots on the ground in Iran. As a matter of fact, I'd be against it. I am against it. And I don't think it's necessary. And as a matter of fact, until but because people like Warren and people in her party politicize wars that Joe Biden support, in spite of Joe Biden now claiming he didn't, um, we can't start them, send our national treasure, risk their lives, lose their lives, lose their legs, limbs and come back disfigured just to say never mind again. That's the whole argument I've been making for a long time now about the next generation of weaponry. Not to be repetitive here, but that's what this is about. And this is, you know, and I will tell you, just people, they expose themselves for the absolute insane people that they are. You know, I just can't believe Rose McGowan, Hollywood star, tweeting an apology to Iran for killing Soleimani saying the U.S. is held hostage by a by a terrorist regime, meaning the Trump regime in, in her view. That's what she's calling it. Or the likes of Alec Baldwin, all the predictable characters, Deborah Messing, Michael Moore. You know, I, I don't spend time on Twitter anymore because it's not worth my time. Now, there are people that are really funny, smart, bright, and you can get a lot of great information from Twitter. But in terms of watching these predictable players every single second of every single day hating Trump. There's nothing Donald Trump is ever going to do that's ever going to please them. And the fact that they just they look at how corrupt this whole impeachment of of Trump is. It is it's been a farce from the get go. And to get there, you literally have to bifurcate your brain. There's my word, Linda. I know you love it. Oh, we're bringing it back for 2020. How nice. Yeah, we're bringing it back for 2020. Because think about it. You got Joe, you know, quid pro quo Joe saying, oh, you're not getting the billion dollars. He's talking about tax dollars. Unless you fire the prosecutor that we now know was investigating his zero experience son who's being paid millions. There's your quid, your quo and your pro. These very same people, they don't say a word. About Joe or Hunter. Matter of fact, oh, it's never been proven to do anything wrong. He's on tape fragging about the quid pro and quo. What else do you need? We've got, we've got, we know they got paid the money. It's not hard to figure that part out. And we know it goes way beyond in terms of other countries that Hunter was cashing in on because of his uh, world famous father, the second highest elected man at the time in the country. 
I, I just watch these people. This is how sick they are. Trump kills a guy responsible for killing Americans. They have been asking for this hit for a long time. And, well, they're threatening us. Well, that's the day in a life of the Iranian regime. They threaten us every day. They've been at war with us since 1979, since the Iranian Revolution that brought the Ayatollah back from France in the fall of the Shah. And ever since then, they have been responsible as the world's number one state sponsor of terrorism. Well, we, you know, what part of 9-11 did we forget? What did the 9-11 Commission report? What did I take out of that? One major finding. I didn't agree with all of it. They were at war with us. We were not at war with them. Now, I'm not saying war in the sense that we're going to send boots on the ground. As a matter of fact, I'm against boots on the ground. I am saying the United States of America clearly does not have the political will to fight wars traditionally. And frankly, with new technology, we that, that, that's an outdated mode of fighting. The best thing we can do is invest research, development, dollars, big time, big league, if you will, into the next generation of weaponry so we can push buttons. It's like a like a war game. You're playing Call of Duty. No, it's it's real life. We want to be judicious in using it, but we also need to act when prompted. Iranians have been begging us to do this. Now they know we'll do it. Now. There might be retaliation. I can't I can't get into the minds of uh, Rouhani or the mullahs in Iran or the Ayatollah. I have no idea what these people are capable of. I know they're evil. I know that if we ever end up in a world where they have nuclear weapons, it's going to be a far more dangerous world because their sick, twisted ideology would literally indoctrinate their own children to strap bombs on themselves to go blow up. Uh, Israelis or Americans and the promise of virgins in heaven. So who knows what they're capable of? I believe them when they say they want to wipe Israel off the map. And I believe so do the Saudis and so do the Emirates and so do the Jordanians and so do the Egyptians, because they're now smart enough to realize the nature of this threat is real to the point where they're best friends with the Israelis at this point. And they're all sharing intelligence and they're all working towards one specific goal. And that's pushing back against Iranian hegemony in the region. Because if you look at a map, it's not that hard to look at, you know, the the crescent quadrant that they're trying to carve out for themselves. That includes total control of Iran, Syria, Iraq and and even further Lebanon and elsewhere. They want it all. And if they get it all and they get nuclear weapons, uh, people would be then critical. Well, Donald Trump, why didn't you take out the leader of the Cuds force? Now that we found out you had intelligence, you could have acted upon nothing. Donald Trump could have done here that would have satisfied the, the lust and desire and psychosis to take this guy out. That's just the reality. All right, let's get to our busy telephones here. Moses in New Jersey. Moses, hi, how are you? Glad you called. I'm doing great, Sean. Happy New Year, my friend. Great to talk to you. Happy New Year, sir. Glad you called. Yes, sir. You know, so one thing I wanted to speak about is it's insane how just looking at this from like, you know, just just on the outside as a regular person, you know what? 
Iran, they've been emboldened the way I see it because of the fact that the president, not only in an election year, it's because he's been impeached. Because right now, as an adversary, what better time to try to go and do all these acts that Iran's been carrying out because of this political and because of this impeachment that's that's a, that's fake, you know, in an election year. That's yeah, look, I mean, the I world watches. Because- yeah, I'm, I, look, I, th- I think at some point the Chinese president, President Xi, made a calculation and was told that there's a good chance this guy's not going to get elected. I think the I, I think he's probably misinformed, but I don't know what's going to happen in 301 days. But if that's their calculation, Donald Trump's a good negotiator. I would say if you wait till uh, January of 2021, the price went up. I would imagine that probably sealed at least the first part of the deal that he's making with China. Absolutely. You know what? Because the one thing I see is political sabotage coming from the Democratic Party. The same reason why they held the USMCA for one entire year, making losing probably an entire year worth of economic growth from that deal. Even I'm pretty sure that what they could have figured out for that deal could have been done in, in about two days and it could have passed it a whole year ago. Well, I'll say this. There's no doubt. The Iranian economy suffered under the sanctions of President Trump, and so, too, has the Chinese economy. And the the revenues that we've taken in from the tariffs that we've now put on the Chinese in particular, well, didn't blow up the stock market as predicted by many. Number one. Number two, it gave us at least a mini deal uh, on top of the other deals that we've gotten done with Canada, Mexico, Japan, Western European allies. And you can click that off the list as another promise made and promise kept. And like I said, I, I'm a free trader, but I'm a fair trader. The president doesn't want tariffs. The president doesn't want tariffs on American manufactured goods or American farmers or American energy companies. And he's fighting for the long term interests of America and our economy because we've been taken advantage of forever. Finally, a president saying, you know what? This has got to end. No more taking advantage of us. All right. As we continue back to our busy telephones, Scott, the swing state of Ohio, will be paying very close attention to Ohio in 301 days, sir. How are you? I am fine. Thanks. And happy new year to you, Sean. Happy new year uh, to you. I, uh, I was calling. I, I had two questions for you. First, I, I don't understand how people can be upset uh, after this guy um, arranged for the attack on the embassy. And the embassy, as I understand it, is like being in the United States. I mean, that is correct. That 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 is American considered American territory. That is an attack on America. You're right. That is that is 100 percent true. So uh, they attacked our embassy. And we're just supposed to sit back and do nothing. Correct. No, Uh, and and it's actually worse because if you're a liberal, if you're a Benghazi Democrat or a bribe Mullah Democrat, bribe the Mullahs Democrat, you think that maybe they'll like us if we give them another 150 billion. You know, look, the people on Twitter are very clever and it's made the rounds everywhere. You have uh, you have Soleimani asking President Trump, are you going to give us 150 billion like Obama? And then you have another picture of Trump answering saying, yeah, meet me at Baghdad airport. So that's the, that's my second point. I, I, um, it, it, it confuses me to a great degree as to how anyone thought that giving that regime, that 
country $150 billion on a wink that they were going to stop producing any kind of nuclear program, uh, I, I that, like I said, it confounds me to no end that that they would believe that, oh, okay, we'll just give them the money and they'll stop. Well, listen, you know what? It is a naivete, but it's the appeasement mindset. That's it. It's that simple. Uh, if we, but we can bribe our way to happiness. Uh, it doesn't work. All right. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. Uh, Doug Collins is here to weigh in on the Nancy Pelosi debacle that's unfolding uh, at the top of the hour. Uh, 301 days. Best election coverage. That's our promise. Coming up next, our final news roundup and information overload hour. Tragically, his actions now put us on the path to another war. He's been erratic and unsuccessful in almost every previous foreign policy endeavor. This one is the most dangerous of all. We are not safer today than we were before Donald Trump acted. We seem to have accomplished what Soleimani was trying to do, but couldn't. So in death, he's actually accomplished his goal. Picking out a bad guy is not a good idea unless you are ready for what comes next. This is and was an enormous escalation. As I said, it doesn't matter if Donald Trump cured cancer or kills the world's worst terrorist who's killed American. Doesn't matter in their view. Anyway, glad you're with us. News Roundup, information overload, toll free. It's 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. While I'm looking before me, we have a poll out. You just heard from Doug Collins on the second cut we played. We'll get to the issue of Soleimani with him in a second. And in a primary in the great state of Georgia, shows that Congressman Doug Collins gets 56% if the primary were held today. Day and Senator Kelly Loeffler, who Governor Kemp appointed, gets 16%, uh, none of which surprises me. And, you know, tried to tell the governor that uh, maybe you want to go with the guy that everybody loves in Georgia. But apparently, Sean Hannity has zero influence on anybody, in spite of what the mob says in the media. Congressman Collins uh, joins us now. How are you, sir? I'm good, Sean. I hope you're doing well. I know you don't like it when I call you senator, but, you know, <laughs> I kind of felt it was a no brainer in my humble opinion. But I guess nobody listens to me. I'm just a dumb talk show host. But let me go first to the issue of what Nancy Pelosi is doing here, because I watched you. I, I thought you emerged as a, a star for the Republicans in the House, you know, as we had to watch the shift show unfold and hearsay witnesses and and witnesses that were just offering their opinions, none of which is admissible in court. And the only one fact witness said, yeah, the president wanted nothing and no quid pro quo. Oh, it's amazing. Well, let me, let me go back on something, Sean. There's another fact witness out there that's too cowardly to actually testify, and that's Adam Schiff. Because Adam Schiff, we know, had contact with the whistleblower, but yet Adam Schiff hid behind all of this and never would come forward. And, you know, his only, the only goal he ever had was to impeach his president. So I think it, it's really interesting to see when the facts came out, they were not on their side. They continued to push this through because they wanted to have an impeachment on the record. And now the speaker is playing politics with her, quote, so, so, you know, solemn, sacred duty. Uh, I think this week when the uh, 
House comes back in session today and this week, that some of those 31 folks who are in Trump districts are going to have a real problem with the speaker playing politics with something that she told them was a solemn duty that they were going to be protected on if they just went through with this. Because all this is is a hatchet job on the president of the United States and nothing more. Well, now the question is, what does the Senate do with this? Because, uh, you know, how long this we're now in uncharted waters here and the Senate, I think, is getting pretty antsy. I mean, within seconds, uh, Senator Josh Hawley, we had on TV last night, had 10 people co-signing his, his bill saying you got 25 days. Otherwise, we're going to dismiss this, which I support. The other thing is, is now Lindsey Graham is he's he's going to announce tonight his plan uh, to force the House to either bring the articles or not. Well, what I suspect here is what we've known, and that is they realize this is the weakest case they could ever put forward. But they did it anyway out of sort of their lust and desire, their obsession, their psychosis to hurt Donald Trump. You're exactly right, Sean. I mean, this is this is what happened. I think. Look, number number one, they wanted just to say that they they impeached him. They wanted to have that to run on a campaign. To me, it's a camp. I mean, if you want to just get sort of out there, I mean, they've been operating in the House as the is the DNC's political arm all year. I mean, this is nothing but a for to me a campaign contribution is what they're trying to do. But when they got over and they started looking at it, they realized this case is weak. We already butchered it in the House and showed them it was weak, but they had the numbers there. When it actually got to the Senate. Then they were actually going to be shown for the frauds that they are. My question is, though, is it's time for the Democratic Party. Speaker Pelosi, as I said, I said on another interview last night, I think it was on, it said, look, this is like the Wizard of Oz. They need to go ask the wizard for a brain. They need to go ask the wizard for courage. They need to go ask the wizard for a heart. Because right now, they have put this country through a turmoil against a president who did nothing wrong. And they owe it to the American people that if you have a case, go make it in the Senate and let it, the chips fall where they may. But right now, this shows just the crass political nature of a Democratic Party that cares more about their own power than they do America. And especially in light of everything going on around the world, we need to get this behind us, get this thing done, because the president's done nothing wrong. We're proudly going to stand and say that, and it needs to get over with. Well, you would think that that happens. Now, there is an article out today, Mitch McConnell, in fact, they're saying in the Hill has the votes to block these demands for witnesses and that they're just going to follow the same rules that they applied in the Clinton impeachment, which is, again, that was not, that consideration was not given by the likes of, of Jerry Nadler and and the compromised, corrupt, congenital liar and who was leading the Schiff show, and that's Adam Schiff himself. So I think that now puts it on another level. So how long how long do they get to hold this out here? Well, that's going to be the question. I think that, and there's, there's a lot of, you know, going back and forth. I'll let the Senate to their own rules and how many votes they need to change the rules. I know that once the articles get there, they can do pretty much anything they want to with 51 votes. Before then, it may be a little more difficult. But look, I, I respect Senator Graham and Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell, you know, as he said before, he said, you know, look, you know, you're going to hold something back from us that we don't want to start with. OK, I don't think there's a lot of leverage there. But I think it is important today that when Mitch McConnell has, the senator has the votes in hand to do a process in which both, remember, those, are, those impeachment rules under Clinton were 100 to nothing. They passed unanimously. So it, it's, it, they cannot say that they're unfair. The Democrats cannot say they're unfair. What they're trying to have a, to do is have a redo of what was terribly botched in the House when you had Jerry Nadler just accept whatever Adam Schiff gave him, and Adam Schiff made it up on the fly. But you see, so this, for, this frustrates me, though, because Mitt Romney's out there, oh, I'd like to be able to hear from John Bolton. They had their <laughs> opportunity to subpoena Bolton, and they chose not to because they know that executive privilege is real, and they didn't do it. So. 
my guess is, and my reading of the Constitution is the House impeaches, the Senate puts on the trial. And now, House yep. managers will present their case, and the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, John Roberts, will preside, but the senators get to make their rules as it applies to all of this. Okay, that should be established based on the Clinton model. Uh, but shouldn't the case have been made by the House and the idea that now the Senate's going to make a whole new case uh, doesn't seem particularly constitutional to me? It's not. And I think that's the case. Look, it's, it's, I would equivalent this more equivalent. Uh, to more of a civil case than a criminal case. And because and, sometimes you can have in a criminal case there, but this is not a criminal case by any stretch of imagination. The president did nothing wrong. But in a civil action, which is sort of the maybe the as best you can to come uh, to equate this in the Senate, is that once the deposition is done, once the transcribed record is done, once all of that is submitted to the court, once you're ready for trial, that's all you can go off of. And I think Senator Rubio actually talked about that. I heard uh, he gave an interview saying that we're going to go based on the House Judiciary Committee and the complaint brought before and the, the articles that came out and the documents that came from there. That's what they're going to base this on. So for the senators and the Democratic senators, Chuck Schumer, give me a break. You're not going to get to retry this case. You're not supposed to retry this case. You're supposed to take what the House has sent you and then have the tri the hearing have your trial, and then what's going to happen is we all know what's going to happen. It is going to be acquitted. This is going to be dismissed in the Senate, and we're going to move on. The problem is they can't stand a president who is doing stuff so right and doing things he promised, and they just, they're just they just trying to find out. But, but the American people are seeing through this, Sean. I think, as you say all the time, fear not. They're seeing through this. Well, I say let not your heart be troubled. So you got all the Democratic candidates, leading Democrats, Tulsi Gabbard, you know, saying about the actions in Iraq uh, against Soleimani. By the way, has anyone ever asked the question, what was Soleimani doing in a Baghdad airport? Uh, it was up to no good. Yeah. Now our intelligence, according to reports, and I believe them. And, you know, I know people are saying, well, now you trust the intelligence community. So, uh, Congressman, I could not have been more clear. Again and again, saying the 99 percent of good people in both the FBI and in the intelligence community. So, yeah, I believe our intelligence officials and this intelligence take a victory lap, take a bow. It was perfect. And the idea that they can't even acknowledge this is a good thing for the world to take this guy out. I have a hard time understanding. Well, it's not a hard time understanding when they put party. You know, they talk about all this, but, but putting party um, before the country. What they're doing is putting their party before their country and their patriotism and everything else. But let's also remember something, because they always go back to this failed attempt by President Obama with the uh, JCOPA, the, the joint uh, process of their uh, nuclear deal, which was a farce from day one. It was a nothing but an appeasement from President Obama. You know, one of the actual determinations there are things that they've been breaking since day one was Mr. Soleimani was not supposed to travel. That's part of the way, you know, there, there, there's been issues here. He's been going all over the world flaunting this. And for him to be in Baghdad when our embassy, our sovereign soil was attacked, when he was coming back through Syria, where we already know the problems there, this is something that everyone should be able to. The Democrats, Republicans, doesn't matter who you are. You're an American. This man killed, maimed American lives. My question is, is what do they say? What do Democrats go out and say to Gold Star families right now who lost loved ones because of this man's murderous uh, terrorism. What, what I can't, what I, what I can't now? allow, look, and for those that say, well, it's a, you have a binary choice here. You got, on the one hand, if you take out Soleimani and there's, there's retaliation by the Iranians, that means there's boots on the ground. No, the, no, it doesn't. 
No, doesn't no. mean there's boots on the ground. As a matter of fact, I don't support boots on the ground. You want to know why? Because these idiots where you work in your swamp there, by the way, not you. Um, these idiots start wars all the time and then politicize them and say, never mind. So the only way I'm willing to accept fighting evil and our enemies and those that bring harm or threaten American citizens abroad or interests abroad is I like the idea of pushing buttons from Tampa and taking out refineries and Soleimani and, if need be, nuclear sites. To me, that we have that capability, and let's continue to build upon it. Well, as someone who's still a member of the Air Force, as someone who knows our capabilities, as was in Iraq in 2008, look, we, we have the finest military in the world. There, there's nothing we can't do. And for the Democrats to say, ooh, if we kill this person, you know, if we take out a terrorist, then we're worried about what Iran's going to do to us. I'm not worried about what Iran's going to do. Look, here's something you forget, that these Democrats and others forget. Iran was going to do stuff to us no matter what. They hate us because we're free. They don't hate us for any other reason. Iran has been free. at war with us since 1979. Let's face facts. Yep. That is a fact. Yep. All right. Stay right there. We'll continue. All right. As we continue, uh, Congressman Doug Collins of the great state of Georgia is with us. This really gets under my skin because we know in the case of General Flynn, they weren't recommending jail time. Well, now, I guess in their never ending Russiagate hoax saga, we now know they're recommending up to six months in prison uh, for General Flynn. Now, these people go off scot free. We know that the FBI didn't think that General Flynn was lying at the time that they interviewed him. You know, when Comey set him up and bragged about it and said, oh, yeah, I did something I'd never do or get away with in the Trump or Obama years. And I sent my guys in and we've since learned that he, the, the, the Mueller's team was basically threatening to go after his family, his own son. So he, he signed a document saying he lied and they didn't even think he, he didn't they didn't think he lied. So now they're going to put him in jail six months. This is how we treat people that serve their country 33 years, Congressman? No, it's not. And I think this is something's got to change. And I think one of the things that we got to look at, Sean, is beyond the shift show, beyond all the Nadler nonsense and beyond, you know, what we've got to get through and we're going to get through for this president here in the next, you know, little bit, is we need to go back. And, and from my perspective, Chairman Nadler is being completely, you know, uh, malpractice. We're not having a hearing on the Horowitz report. We're not going back and doing the things like the, the transcripts that I released earlier last year, the, the issues on how this all started. It is time for people to be held accountable. My one, there's one, two great things that have happened in the last little bit. One, Bill Barr became attorney general last year. He's brought a, a, a new sense of urgency to make sure that this doesn't happen again and to punish those who have. And Mr. Durham is out there now going beyond what we've talked about before, and that's not simply the Comey-McCabe cabal, which McCabe makes me, you know, for CNN and anybody or anybody to have him on makes me just want to, you know, be sick at my stomach. This is a man who lied. He lied to investigate, and nobody wants to talk about it, even when it came out in the transcripts that he lied about what he did, and he's not being punished for it, but being rewarded for it. So I think when we look at past Clapper, Brennan, these others, now that Durham has his sights set on, my hope is, and I have, you know, kept that faith, that this is going to be got to the bottom of, and those who actually perpetrated things against this country and who politicized this under the Obama administration and take, took down America's trust in our intelligence agencies and in our uh, Department of Justice because they were corrupt. That 1% that you talked about, the 99% are doing their job every day. 
but they put a taint of, of corruption on those departments, and it's time for that to be rooted out. And I'm looking forward to Durham and under the direction of Barr and others to get through that. Uh, I agree with you. Congressman Doug Collins, great state of Georgia. Thank you, Congressman. When we come back, wide open phones. we got an amazing Hannity tonight, including Lindsey Graham. We'll have updates on all of these stories and uh, much, much more. Uh, oh, a lot of other stuff happening in the news. We'll get to all that tonight. 9 Eastern, Hannity, Fox News. Uh, 301 days to go. 301. Count them down. Hannity.com launching earlier today. Everything you need to know. When you need to register. Uh, when early voting starts, uh, when absentee ballots need to be brought in, who's your candidates running? We got it all up. Hannity.com to aid in your election knowledge. We'll continue. All right, let's go to the media mob and their reaction to the president rightfully taken out. Well, David Petraeus thinks it's a far bigger killing than even bin Laden. Here's their reaction. Predictable reaction. Today, the United States has reached a historic understanding with Iran. But we have a historic opportunity to prevent the spread of nuclear weapons. Iran has also agreed to the most robust and intrusive inspections and transparency regime ever negotiated for any nuclear program in history. We rallied the world to impose the toughest sanctions in history. We are following the breaking news here of this historic understanding with Iran. Uh, it is definitely an historic um, uh, uh, moment. It, it is um, uh, It is a historic agreement, frankly. A historic understanding and, quote, good deal. But there is, of course, still much work to be done. A lot of what happened today does not happen every day. This was a historic deal on a historic day, even though it's not done yet. This historic day in international relations and this potentially historic deal. So it is a very historic deal and it changes, it has the potential if we do the deal on June 30th of changing the way global gravity works. Yes, I don't want to let this moment go by. It is a historic thing we are witnessing. World leaders reach a framework for a historic deal. This is the most strictly governed nuclear accord of any nuclear program ever in history. This is a masterful chess player back in, back in the game. And President Obama has done a masterful job. The president has handled this brilliantly in, in moving that needle. It's an extraordinarily difficult needle, but he's moving it and, it and it's breathtaking to watch. The president has put a plan on the table that controls it for 15 years. It's a fabulous a piece of work. So this is indeed a historic day. But it is historic, no doubt. An historic day. Coming up, the historic framework. Indeed, an historic day. You bet. We've got more news on today's historic deal with Iran. Historic potential deal. We'll have more on this historic day. Historic news out of Switzerland. They had the Republican reaction to the historic nuclear agreement. And while today's agreement is historic, probably the biggest breakthrough in this historic agreement today. Iran has agreed to an unprecedented unprecedented level of inspection. Such a deal has never been negotiated in the history of the nuclear age before. This was a historic opportunity. President Obama announced a historic breakthrough. This is a big, a historic moment, a major historic moment. How historic is this? And if it sticks in June, and it should. If we uh, get this in of June, this is big as Nixon goes to China. It changes the game. America is back after a lot of bad years. You just can't make it up. There's nothing, nothing. Nothing in the minds of the mob and the media or the Democratic Party that Donald Trump can ever do right. Nothing. And and what they have done to first prevent him from winning and then to undo the election and whatever they're capable of this time in 301 days, I, I can't even begin to predict 
based on what we now know occurred in in 2016, all bets are off the table. I have no idea what these people are capable of, but this I know. In 301 days, regardless of what they do or don't do, you, we, the people, have the chance to shock the world again. I will remind you daily. We put up on Hannity.com today. We're just trying to create the most information-friendly site for all things 2020 election. For example, you live in this district. Who's running for Congress? When's the registration deadline? Uh, when's the primary? Uh, when does early voting start? When do you need to get an absentee ballot? And it's just informational. And if you haven't registered, you might want to consider because there's a lot at stake for this country. It's America, as far as I'm concerned, on the brink. A new green deal that's 90, what, $4 trillion, trillion with a T in 10 years. Gets rid of, you know, the lifeblood of our economy, oil and gas, the combustion engine. Everything else is free, 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 free. Unbelievable. Then we got Medicare for all. You can't get your own health care. Okay, that's 52 trillion more in 10 years. Uh, Does anybody have an abacus, an old abacus, maybe a calculator on their iPhone? Because we certainly need it. All right, as promised, let's get to our busy telephones. Uh, Gary, South Dakota. What's up, Gary? How are you? Glad you called, sir. Oh, Happy New oh, Year. I'm fine. Hello? Happy New Year, Sean. <laughs> uh, what's going on? Oh, I was just, uh, we were, um, I heard you talking about Kaepernick, and I thought this guy, apparently, he kneels for people who are oppressed, but he didn't think about the people who are oppressed uh, uh, in uh, India or these places who are making these uh the sports equipment that he's promoting, they live on a dollar, two dollars a day. What about them? Well, I, you know, I, I got to be honest. Yeah, I look, I'm not into the boycott scene, but I'm like, really? I Look, I'm gonna, not going to lie. I mean, I like I've always liked Nike products. I like their apparel. I like their shoes. I'm not that into it anymore. You know what? We've got nine line we partnered with on Hannity.com. They got some pretty, you know, cool stuff. Military company service vets heroes i love those guys so i'm gonna buy my stuff from them that's my choice i'll I'll let you decide colin kaepernick uh i have no idea why they want to associate with the guy but that's their choice if people want to support nike you like nike stuff i'm not telling you not to buy it i'm telling you i'm just not that interested anymore it's not as cool as i once thought it was does that make sense yeah it makes sense which i had been in sri lanka when i was in the navy and below India and I saw how poor it was and I thought they respected the Americans there and they, they loved us when we were there and they treated us with respect and I just couldn't understand why he would do this sort of thing you know but there you are well thank you man for the call appreciate it I, I'm over Kaepernick I got where Kaepernick's coming from predictable as the day is long you know what I'm more interested in winning in 301 days that's I'm just prioritizing in my brain what's more important to me uh let's say hi to Joe he's in the great state of New Jersey happy new year Joe glad you're with us sir hey Sean I'm about 60 miles south of New Jersey uh I'm in New Jersey (laughs) south it's always a privilege to speak with you and I wanted to tell you um, your senator that you had on Fox last night kind of stole my thunder, but I just got to applaud him for his courage. I thought he was bold and honest when he said that the left would n- love to see another Benghazi. That was so courageous. And honestly, I strongly believe there's a large political population on the left. 
who would look forward to seeing something like that again. I believe the late general was scouting out. Well, I mean, you literally had a host on uh, Area 51, Roswell, Rachel Maddow. She's losing it. All these people have lost it. They've lost. Yep. They're so consumed with their rage and hatred. They don't even know how nuts they all sound. But over there, oh, conspiracy TV, they had they had a host tweet out Trump's Benghazi. Then Trump bombs the crap and kills so, uh, Soleimani. And oh, they don't they don't like that either. I'm like, oh, OK, because he was the guy that was orchestrating the whole thing. Kind of a good reason to suspect he was at Baghdad Airport. And I honestly thought he was scouting the place and feeling testing the waters for another, the real uh, invasion of the embassy. And Trump squashed it. And I'd like to leave whoever's listening something to think about if they think I'm out of my mind thinking on these terms. If Hillary and Obama could turn their back on our military and our civilians, why shouldn't we even think that there are more leftists out there who are just as heartless and callous? Well, I got to tell you, you know, one thing way to look at this, what if I have a question, because I like the idea that, you know, if Americans are in jeopardy. Uh, let me backtrack. So the Benghazi heroes, I've gotten to know those guys. We had Mark Geist on the show last week, last Friday when I came in. I love those guys. Those guys were in a CIA annex one mile away from the embassy where Ambassador Stevens and others died. And they know what's happening. They know the embassy is under fire. They know fellow Americans are under attack. They know lives are in jeopardy. And they're like, all right, let's go. Game on. Get our stuff and go. Let's go defend our American family. Now, that to me personifies, that defines courage. Then they're told to stand down. And they're like, what? what we we, we got to get over there. Our guys are under fire. No, stand down. They're, not, they're told that not once, not twice, three times. I think one of the guys said four, at least three times. They're told stand down. Then they're like, screw you. We're not letting our fellow Americans die. That's not who we are. Now, when you disobey orders, that means they were blowing up without any concern for themselves, their safety or their career track. They were blowing the whole thing up and they not only went and defied orders, but they successfully saved dozens of American lives. We would have lost everybody there had they not shown up. The cavalry showed up and they defended them. Now, if Americans are in the embassy in Baghdad and they are under fire, I'm kind of glad to know that this president acted quickly. And from what I'm told from my sources, the people that were there when the president asked, well, how soon can we get our troops there to help them? Uh, the next words out of his mouth were, that's not fast enough. I want it done faster. I'm told that happened. One day, I guess, hopefully the story will come out and confirm that I'm right again. I'm often right on these things. And they got there. We have the greatest military fighting force on the face of the earth. We have the greatest intelligence gathering capabilities on the face of the earth. The FBI is the premier law enforcement in the world. Well, Hannity, you aren't trusting the, the people inside the intel community uh, for the last two year, two and a half years. I'm like, no, I, I've been pretty clear in delineating between the 99% and the 1%. When our embassies are attacked, 
we better protect our fellow Americans and our interests abroad. And the idea that we're going to allow the Iranians to have impunity to kill Americans is not acceptable to me. But Hannity, it's going to lead to a boots on the ground war. Doesn't need to lead to a boots on the ground war. That's why for a long period of time on this program and on Hannity, the TV show, I've been championing one thing with the military, the next generation of weaponry, both offensive and defensive. I hope that explains it to everybody because I mean it. This is an evil, dark, dangerous, horrible world with evil people all around. America, not perfect. We're kind of like the light among uh, amidst the darkness like Israel in the Middle East. You know, you got this 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 one country that's been under fire and attack uh, so often. It's unbelievable. Your government and your leadership and the military here has vowed to take action against the United States. Well, the what United kind of retaliation States, is that The United States violated three principles, Iraqi sovereignty, and the agreement that they had with Iraq, they got a response from the Iraqi parliament. They violated the emotions of the people. They will get a response from the people. They killed one of our most revered commanders and most senior commanders, and they took responsibility for it. This is state terrorism. This is an act of aggression against Iran. And it amounts to an armed attack against Iran, and we will respond. But we will respond proportionately, not disproportionately, because we are committed to law. We are law-abiding people. We're not lawless like President Trump. The United States believes that this beautiful military equipment, according to President Trump, that you spent $2 trillion on these beautiful military equipment. Beautiful military equipment don't rule the world. People rule the world. People. The United States has to wake up to the reality that the people of this region are enraged, that the people of this region want the United States out, and the United States cannot stay in this region with the people of the region not wanting it anymore. You know, it's like what we are saying here before. You know, you got this, uh, this Javad Zarif, the Iranian foreign minister, saying the U.S. killing of Soleimani is an act of terrorism. No, they're the terrorist group. Or I'm claiming in the Mideast, that they want the U.S. out of uh, out and, and Trump needs to apologize. We're not going to apologize. They should apologize. And they're not going to do that either. They are they are married to a twisted, sick ideology. I wrote in the book, Deliver Us From Evil. In the last century alone, Hitler, Stalin, uh, uh, fascism, Nazism, Mao, killing fields, Cambodia. You got over 100 million human souls dead, killed in the name of governments and darkness and evil. Now, I know it's hard to admit that there's evil all around you, and maybe you don't want to think about it every second of every day. I know I don't. One of the great things about living in the United States of America is we're free. We're free, and many have paid the price for us to be free. I don't want to lose that freedom. I don't want to lose that moral compass that has that has separated us from so many others because we have saved a lot of people's you know what all around the world because we are who we are can't save everybody but we do our best and we're a generous people and we've saved a lot of lives world war ii let's start there 
All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. All right, the latest on the battle over Soleimani, the left's insane reaction to the president. Also, the latest on the Pelosi disaster unfolding as we're joined by, loaded up tonight, Senator Lindsey Graham, Senator Ted Cruz, Senator Marco Rubio, Kevin McCarthy. The best election coverage available on your television and radio dial tomorrow, day 300, till a tipping point election, and you make the final decision. You can shock the world. See you tonight. Back here tomorrow. As always, thank you for being with us. 